Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Maddie Moon with episode five of Mind Body Musings, the podcast where you can learn the most intricate details about the body, the mind, and how lifestyle choices link the two to create individual health for every shape and size. In today's show, we are joined by someone I had the awesome pleasure to connect with at the Paleo FX conference this year in Austin, Texas. Justin Manning, aka Cave Manning, is a personal trainer health coach, and the creator of the podcast, Keep Health Alive. Justin Manning lives, eats, and breathes everything to do with health, fitness, performance, and living life to the absolute fullest. He's experienced in both travel hacking and biohacking while still living a comfortable and stress-free life. Justin knows more about how to be in touch with your body's needs and wants than most people learn in their entire lifetime. Needless to say, I am pretty stoked to have him on the Mind Body Musings podcast, so without any more delay, welcome, Justin. Oh, my God. Can we do like 10 more minutes of that? So <laughs> I was already excited to be on your show. And of all the podcasts I've been on, that's by far the best intro. Is yeah. I'm, yes, that was. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, it was amazing connecting Austin. I totally agree. It was awesome having you on my show. And I'm super excited for today. Good. Me too. Well, everything I said, you totally deserve. I'm super excited for us to be talking on my show since we got to get on your show. Um, but for those people who did not listen to that show and who don't exactly know what your background is, can you give us a little bit of insight? Sure. Okay. So when I was really little, I was in my mom's tummy. And then 10 months <laughs> later, I can't know. Uh, we won't go back that far. So I'll go back to my childhood briefly to just say I always – remember being like a little on the chubby side like not enough to call me a former fat kid but definitely former chubby kid and was always self-conscious about it but never did anything about it and fast forward a lot of years to junior year of high school to set the picture I was 5'6 I was 175 pounds and trust me Everyone, none of it was sexy. None of it was athletic. I was just like out of shape and doing nothing about it. So the day which for better or worse like changed my life, the tipping point was I walked into school one day my junior year and I was wearing a shirt that was definitely on the small side. It looked kind of like a clubbing shirt probably <laughs> and I wasn't looking good. And the first kid who saw me, this is like lasered into my brain. He just... I walked through the doors of school and he looked me up and down. And he just goes, you're fat. And he just, what? yes, yes. And he walks off. I mean, I'm sure to him, I remember his name. His name is Pat. Uh, I'm sure to Pat, this was just like, you know, he was calling it like it is. He probably didn't even think about it. But to what me. Did, was, what, what did he look like? Was he like reflecting his insecurities <sighs> on you? Because. Well, he was, uh, A, he was like a little bit right, and B, I mean, he was, just he looked like a normal high school kid, so um, I guess he was in the position to, to say that, but, so, he, it kind of like, if anyone can just put themselves back in like 16-year-old mode, you're so insecure, it doesn't take much to like stab into your heart anyways, and at that moment, I would have rather Pat just like made me pee my pants and then paraded me through school. Like that would have been, well, maybe not better. But in that in that moment, he said the one thing I had already been thinking about, and it like it hit home. And I remember thinking like right then that morning, I don't care how I lose it. I'm doing 
losing this weight as fast as possible. So like all morning, I was just calculating like, okay, I burn like 2,000 calories per day. And if I work out three, four hours a day, yes, no like no verbal typo there. I was like, well, then I'm up to 4,000 a day. And if I eat only 500, well, I'm burning 3,500. That's a pound. And I did that every day for three weeks. And lost 20 pounds in those three weeks. Oh, and of course, yeah, it's, it's kind of like looking back, it's frightening. But if anyone who's listening has lost weight with like way too much exercise, way too much dieting, you know, like initially your body kind of like does what you want. And not only that, people around you aren't saying like, oh, are you doing this like healthy? Like, you know, are you okay? Like everyone's just being like, wow, like you're doing great. And so at that age, like I'm comfortable saying it's basically like I sort of got an unhealthy relationship with food and exercise. And, you know, to fast forward, I sort of more or less kept up like a crazy 15 hour a week uh, cardio schedule for the next six years. And then in my early 20s, when I was 22, it started affecting me. Like I had way less energy, way less sex drive, my testosterone tanked. And I actually even had a really smart doctor tell me like, you know, you should probably work out less <laughs> and eat more fats. Like he's telling me all the right things. And I was like, that sounds stupid. <laughs> like, and I just kept what I was doing until, you know, now I'm 36. And basically several years ago, I remember like nothing worked. Like, you know, energy was crappy no matter what. Like caffeine didn't bring me back to even working out and pumping the adrenal glands. Like that didn't bring me back. So I finally went to see a naturopath and was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue, like obviously low testosterone, which I knew. And it finally, like I just hit that wall where I was like, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this right. And luckily, like through a sensible natural paleo type diet and pulling back from the, the crazy workout schedule, I'm happy to say that over the last three years, I've learned how to, you know, kind of like you were saying, lead a more simple life and actually be healthier. So. That's 36 years in, in, you know, 36 seconds right there. So the workouts you were talking about, like you said you were doing 15 hours of cardio a week? Yes. Uh, and even some weights on top of that. And, and early on, for anyone who has built up an unhealthy relationship, you know that you, you kind of find excuses to do it. So I would, you know, I joined the wrestling team my senior year of high school, and that was basically a way to have an excuse to lose weight and work out a ton. Then, you know, I joined the rowing team in college, not for this reason, but it was nice to me that we actually had two practices a day almost every day. And then coming out of college, yeah, basically, you know, I liked how I looked based on working out all the time. So then I just got back to doing, you know, pretty silly workouts that I'd started my junior year of high school, which was lots of elliptical, you know, lots of treadmill, uh, not knowing much about weights or giving myself rest or anything like that. So I think that's really when I started running my young adult uh, body into the ground. And what about your mind? Because like I know when I was going through my 
hour-long treadmill phase and hour-long elliptical phase like even when I wasn't there at the gym I was like at the gym and like all I was thinking about in my mind I was like really antsy and like filled with anxiety like feeling like okay I need to get there tonight I need to get there tonight like and then once I was on it I was like okay I can't stop until I burn a thousand calories and then when I was done I was like okay I can't eat because the same thing you were talking about earlier I did all like the math in my head of okay I burn this much a week if I you know, burn this many calories because I already burned this many and then I'll go to the gym and spend there for two hours. And like, it was just crazy in, in my mind. It was just a mental, um, sanity house, insanity house, you know? Yes. I, uh, I couldn't agree more, Madeline. It was almost like I was always in battle mode. It's just, it's just like you described it. Um, for me, it was often, I wasn't happy until the second workout of the day was done. And then, right. I maybe relaxed for like an hour, but I was already, my mind was drifting to the next day and like I was, you know, getting myself pumped up for that next workout. And so, yeah, the, I, I was definitely running my, my brain into the ground too. And it also didn't help that I was drinking that 90s Kool-Aid of, of no fat, all sugars. So, you know, that as we'll probably get into today is also not feeding the brain. And so Wait, like uh, all literal, that literal Kool-Aid, you were drinking Kool-Aid. <laughs> no, it's some expression and I wish I actually oh. <laughs> knew what it meant. It just means like drinking kind of the, the corporate message that's out there. Um, oh. I should have, Oh. I should look these things up before I say them, but there's an expression, <laughs> drinking the Kool-Aid means like whatever they're handing out to you, you kind of just take it at face value. So um, okay. in this case, it, it could have actually been Kool-Aid. I was I like, to... is that like a good post-workout drink? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, because if it is, I'm down. No, <laughs> so um, <laughs> but more or less in this case, it was like I was just having like those Snackwell cookies and thinking, mm. yeah, this is like the best thing. No fat, all sugar. Perfect. Mm. Yeah. So what about now? Because me and you were talking a little bit earlier about like what we're, what we're kind of experimenting with with our bodies to try to figure out what eliminates typical problems. I'm kind of still in the process. And I know you kind of said that you're, you're working through it and you're figuring out what works best for your body. And I'm trying to just discover like the main culprits in digestion and energy and aesthetics. And I'm just really curious on what you've come up with so far. Yeah, so that's a it's it's a great broad question and so for me I started with the paleo diet as a template. I I discovered it through Rob Wolf's podcast which is amazing and but I've sort of drifted away and and it's interesting because a paleo or any diet whether it's Atkins or veganism like it can start to get really restrictive and you know B, I think if you've already had issues with controlling food, it's not so good to do that. So thankfully, through a lot of uh, kind of scientific back and forth and experimenting with my own body, I've actually found what's a pretty liberal diet, which also makes me feel good. And ideally, you know, it, it thankfully, it's, it makes you look pretty good and also fixes digestion problems. So um, the, the things... I always love to give people tangible bits of advice that they can start with. So for me, I found this great article on Mayo Clinic. And this is where if anyone's listening, either mark this part of the podcast like 10 minutes in or just get your pen and paper. Um, but that eight foods are estimated to account for 90% of allergic reactions. And the eight foods are milk, eggs, soy, wheat, 
peanuts, tree nuts, fish, and shellfish. And I used to think like a lot of foods made me bloated, but what I've discovered in the last couple months is that it was just dairy and soy. And soy was a sneaky one for me because it's actually in almost everything. Like it can be in cereal, it can be in deli meats, it can be in, uh, for instance, tuna with water. I was amazed to look that it has soy in the actual ingredients. So really? for yeah, it's it's pretty wild because a lot of those have vegetable broth um, as part of them. So for me, it was an interesting one to find out. Like if I just took out dairy and soy, my digestion improved. Like my energy, you know, never felt sluggish because I I basically after having some soy in a meal, I just felt like taking a nap. So for me, it was that simple. And I would say. For, for anyone listening, like think about those eight ingredients and maybe pull back on one of them for two, three days at a time and see how you feel. If, if you notice a change and then put it back in and do it with another and you'll probably find the same thing I did that there's one or maybe there are two items on that list that are causing you problems but once you pull them out you can eat like a wealth of foods. Like for me I can have salmon and butter and and, and olive oil and this and that and and as long as I'm really kind of limiting the dairy and the soy like I do great yeah so you can't have tempeh because that's like one of my favorite foods tempeh yes and soy like it has a lot of uh you know good qualities to it clearly like lots of good protein and and some people digest it digest it much easier than they would meat. And I, I used to love edamame and a lot of things, um, but then I also kind of wondered why I felt, you know, bloated and, and gassy and, and, and whatnot afterwards. No, I completely understand because, I mean, every single time I've had tempeh, I mean, specifically that food, in the past, mm -hmm. like, two months, I feel the same way afterwards. And it's even more, like, it's more than just bloat. I have a full-on, like, stomach ache. And mm -hmm. I kind of, I think I'm in denial mode right now because I'm like, oh, it can't be the soy, it can't be the soy. But I mean, I still have like similar types of reactions to other things. And I never really think to look in the ingredient list on like things like deli turkey and vegetable broth. I'm, I didn't even know soy was in that. Is that made of soy? Uh, well, no, it's not specifically, but it contains it. And then, I mean, it's also a lot of, you know, healthy energy bars can have it, uh, you know, obviously any imitation protein, even dark chocolate. I was amazed to look at a lot of it contains soy lecithin in it, even like 90% chocolate. So, uh, anyways, it's just something, those eight ingredients are something to think about and you might realize that it's only one ingredient that's an issue, but Maybe maybe it's peanuts for someone, and you have to realize that a lot of things can potentially contain that. But I like to give people at least a template and a launching point. For me, that was huge to find that out. Well, what about like the mindset? Because the minute I tell myself that I cannot have something, and that like like for example, recently I think I told you this, but I've been kind of like dabbling in carb backloading, so I have just you know, protein and fat during the day and carbs at night. And it's done amazing things for my digestion, for my energy, for everything. Like I, I did, I completely forgot that I have a really messed up relationship with food because I felt <laughs> so good. I was like, I feel so awesome. Like 
it doesn't matter that I can't have carbs during the day because, you know, my bloat's gone or my digestion is just so much better. But then, then after a while, things got stressful in life. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like I went, I want to have, uh, I don't know, a bottle of oatmeal or something like right. at, at noon. And then I'm like, but I can't. And then I remember, I'm like, I have that food rule. I can't have it. Well, I mean, that's choice for me. I mean, there are benefits, but I'm choosing to eat that way. So for the people like you, like eliminating dairy, what if you really feel like having dairy during the, I mean, during a, I don't know, like you're out somewhere or on vacation and all you have is like something with dairy in it. And would would you say, no, I won't have that? Is there any kind of mental hoop that you have to jump through? Yeah, another good one. And by the way, it's funny for everyone listening, before the call, Madeline and I, I made a pack that we're both going to have ice cream tonight. So I am super excited. The moment we like, you know, hang up this internet call, I'm going to drive to the store and buy whatever ice cream like catches my eye. Yeah, um, so obviously so, you want to have dairy. Why did I even ask that question? I totally right, forgot no. we're, eating, we're eating ice cream. No, but the whole concept is a really valid question. And uh, luckily, I have found specifically when it comes to allergens or things that might inflame my digestive system or maybe like cause my skin to break out, which dairy does, if I stay away from it the bulk of the time, I can have some uh, because the base level inflammation is so low. So in that case, it's nice. And I've learned not to just restrict something going forward. But it, it is always a trap with any diet. Like what's the line between I want to get a little healthier, I want to be leaner, and then, okay, now I'm never doing anything fun. I'm never giving myself that, that reward. Um, and you made the great point. Uh, I think you, you kind of set that line when you were on my show. You were talking about if it gets to the point where – you're not seeing friends, you're not doing normal everyday activities, you're afraid to buy an item at the store, then it's a problem. If it's just though like you want to be a little bit more disciplined or tighter with your diet or, or maybe be a little more active to get some result and feel better, then I think it's okay. It's, it's just about a balance and getting to that point where you kind of look and feel your best. If that right. makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but mine as well. I have noticed this kind of pattern. I don't know if it's just me, but I, when the more I, I go to conferences, I read articles, and I go, um, I talk to people about this kind of stuff. I'm starting to notice like this kind of judgmental attitude towards people that do just want to clean up their diet or do want to lose a certain amount of weight. Because I mean, this I'm not total. I'm not judging anyone, and I'm, I even do this from time to time. But it's kind of like. You want to say to this person, why do you feel the need to like lose any weight? Why do you feel the need to lean out? Like there must be something kind of wrong. So mm. even in my own head, a lot of the times I'm like, I like I was just telling you this, like I kind of want to lean out. Like I feel like I need to lean out a little bit. But where is that coming from? Because for me, that that's not an allergy thing. That's not a sensitivity. It's kind of just me wanting to be leaner. But I don't know what what the like what's going to happen when I try to go after that because with my record of like limiting any foods for the sake of leanness leans leads me right into that same cycle of not spending time with friends and losing sight of balance and I can't kind of find that happy place and like at the same time like other people are are doing that you know they're they're leaning out and they're in their own little world and kind of don't care what people think but I'm kind of like I do care what people think sometimes 
And it, being in social media just makes opinions so out in the open and you're so vulnerable. And it's like people are constantly saying, like, you don't need to lose weight to be beautiful. And, like, heck, yeah, you don't. Like, that's amazing. That's mm -hmm. the best movement that's come around. But when, when you start to kind of want to lose a little weight or you want to just clean up your diet or you want to feel better and the answer is restricting, that in itself is its own little mind hurdle. Yeah. Uh, I guess the the short answer is only every individual person listening or any person out there, only they really know. You know, uh, I think if someone is at a given weight and they are happy, like, God bless them. I remember when I was living in Malaysia a few years ago, like, every, all of my friends were a good, like, 40, 50 pounds overweight, but they were absolutely in love. Like, I remember my, uh, like landlord my airbnb host talking about how he lives to eat instead of eating to live and it was really refreshing to see that but i also do know a lot of people who have extra weight and it's something that they lament about or upsets them every day so only any given person knows and then on the flip side like someone who has had an issue with being too thin they only they really know like are you at the point where you feel great and you're giving yourself the the nutrients you need or do you have that like four pack but secretly you are like hating life and avoiding social engagements and stuff like that so it's really about your own personal balance and like what day in and day out makes you sustainably happy right so speaking about balance and <laughs> kind of leading into moderation, you posted a status the other day saying that you had a half a cup of coconut oil and that made me laugh my butt off. So can you, <laughs> can you tell me why in the world you did that? It made my butt do things. No, like <laughs> I was hoping we could have this conversation before the, or off the record, but I'm, I'm never no afraid way. to over, to overshare. So, uh, Two things, I guess, like, I, I more often than not intermittent fast. Uh, so, you know, my eating window is generally like 6 p.m. to 11 p.m., maybe really? 6 p.m. to, yeah. Wow. I start later, I, I, yeah, I start the eating window later than most people, mainly because I often get a little energy kick and creative kick a little bit later in the day. So it's nice for me to sort of stay up a little bit later and also time my eating a little bit later. So, uh, and then another thing is I keep very little food around my apartment because for me it's kind of fun around that the start of that eating window to walk to the grocery store and just kind of surprise myself. Like tonight it's going to be ice cream, uh, you know. But so in this moment it was 6 p.m. and all I had at home was peanuts, probably like three quarters of a cup of peanuts left and coconut oil and then like some spices. That's all that was there. And of course, that is not a meal. So I'm like, well, let's go to the grocery store. Well, it mother nature decided to monsoon the entire night. Like I can't exaggerate enough. Like this, this is, it was the kind of rain where you don't even want to walk to your car. So 6 p.m. rolls around can't go to the grocery store. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Finally, it's like midnight. And so I'm looking at my food. And I'm like, all right, let's do this, guys. So I eat all the, pe all the peanuts, which is only like 600 calories. And I'm like, I can't just eat 600 a day. So I, I basically pour enough coconut oil that I know will get me up to like closer to 2,000 calories on the day. But 
Yeah, it's disgusting. So it was, it was actually even a little bit more than half a cup. And it was delicious on the way down. And I even went to sleep fine. Like I slept like a baby initially because my body was like heavy food, coma. <laughs> but when I woke up in the morning, I thought I had the flu because my body was just like, I don't know why you ate 150 grams of fat in 20 minutes, dude. And yeah, I won't get into the specifics, but it just, it basically was like flu-like effects. I just went into purge mode because my body didn't know what to do. Oh, was it, yeah. how do you drink it? Like you drank it, right? It wasn't like a solid. Did you chew it? Did it, what, how'd you eat that? Oh, uh, no. So this coconut oil, let me look at the brand because <laughs> I've been afraid to touch it since. I still have some <laughs> left. So it's Carrington Farms coconut cooking oil. Uh, so it's actually liquid at room temperature, oh. which, yeah, I know. Let's gross out people even more. So I actually just poured half a cup and drank it in probably three gulps. It's, yeah, it's so foul. But it was, you know, necessitated by the fact that I just could not leave the apartment, but I wanted to have sustenance. Oh, God. I, I, I'm trying to picture if I would do the same thing if I were hungry and I just ate like half a cup of peanuts, but no, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> if this ever happens again, well, first of all, I'm now going to keep like an actual stash of food like normal people uh, in my apartment. But uh, yeah, I think looking back, hindsight 2020, I just would have had the peanuts and <laughs> made, up for it, made up for it the next day. That is so funny. Okay, so you eat from 6 <laughs> to 11-ish. What, what what's your favorite kind of stuff to eat? Like what, what do you mostly crave at nighttime? Or oh my gosh. Well, so I... And it's interesting. Um, we can get into the science of this, but luckily I've learned that it's kind of the order of food that really affects digestion, but that I can eat almost everything outside of the two ingredients I just mentioned. So, you know, uh, a meal could be salmon. Like I said, I love salmon. Um, or it could be some steak, uh, you know, have a sweet potato, have, you know, a salad with leafy greens and olive oil. I really kind of like what would look mostly like a Mediterranean diet. But at the same time, uh, you know, first of all, I don't do the intermittent fasting every day. I've learned not to make hard and fast rules. And then the other thing is, if I'm out with friends or something grabs my eye at the grocery store or whatever, like, I'm not afraid to have that. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's, you know, a meal at Chipotle with, like, you know, carne and, and rice and all that stuff. Um, so it just kind of depends. And I, I really like to keep it flexible. But there's a lot of fresh fruits, a lot of fresh veggies, you know, salmon, lots of lots of tuna fillets, stuff like that. Um, just whatever, you know, sounds great to my mind and my, you know, mouth at any time. And you can kind of, you can manage to pack in that much food in that window. Like you're not too full or anything like that. No, um, really, as, as long as you kind of start at the beginning of that five-hour window and, you know, you are having foods, you know, sweet potatoes have plenty of calories in them, you know, you, you add some dark chocolate, you add some bananas at various points, like, it's, it's not that hard to get over 2,000 calories, and it's really, really enjoyable. Right, I bet. <laughs> so, yes. you probably don't think that the entire... Uh, eat every three hours, six to eight meals a day, that revs up your metabolism. You don't really think that is the be-all, end-all? 
No, if if someone likes that, go for it. Um, but most people I know who have gone to that, I think usually it can actually turn to overeating because you have to eat every three hours and your body's so used to it and you never kind of get back in touch with what it feels like to actually be hungry. Um, and sometimes you lose track of like actually enjoying the food. Like when that, the end of that 19 hour fasting window comes around for anyone who's ever tried it, like food is super enjoyable and you're in touch with like the actual feeling of being hunger, uh, hungry and then taking in flavors. Um, but if someone likes eating smaller meals more frequently, certainly go for that. Uh, I, I don't think it's, it's, you don't have to do it certainly. And I think we've learned that, but, it, you know, it depends on the timing and your schedule and all that. I just find that usually people overeat when it's like, I have to have six meals. I have to have seven meals. Mm -hmm. And like you're, you're constantly kind of hungry and you're waiting for your next meal. And it kind of does just take out the pleasure. Like I noticed for me, it takes out the pleasure of eating. And like I have finally gotten back on like back on a regular kind of diet, like three meals a day, like with a snack or two. And it's so much less stressful for me, just like particularly me. Like I don't know if it, it might be like the best diet ever for someone else. But for me, like I don't know. It's just really hard for me to pack in meal number two at 10 o'clock because that's like so inconvenient or meal number four at 4 o'clock. And then like at nighttime it's 11 and I have one more meal to go and I'm like exhausted and I don't really want to eat it but it's on my plan or whatever and I need to eat it and – it just kind of takes out the fun for me. Yeah. And I think probably the three meals a day, there's a reason most societies seem to do that. Some have four um, in Latin American countries, but there's kind of a reason. And I think that works well. And, and I'm glad you jogged my memory. So intermittent fasting definitely isn't for everyone. Not only does it kind of, obviously you're not eating throughout most of the day, but it, does, it is a stressor on the system. And I think one thing we're learning is that the body responds really well to some stress. But if you, the stress of your job is crazy and you're adding cortisol and stress hormones from lack of sleep and you know then you're going to some crazy spin class and you're also fasting, it's way too much stress. And then you're actually just teaching the body to hold on to fat, to not have energy. Um, and so... People, if, if someone's going to do intermittent fasting, make sure sleep is in check, make sure that life stress is in check, stuff like that. Yeah, because one of the reasons why this works so well for you is that you have a very, I mean, you have a very relaxing lifestyle, right? Like you, right. you were telling me that you walk. How, how, how much do you walk? Per week, like a lot. So, I mean, I would say generally, and it's going to sound like a lot to people. Like, it's probably like thirty miles a week, um, but it just happens really easily. If you, because what I just decided a few years ago, and some of this synced up with uh, traveling the world and not always having a car. I just decided if there was something within a mile or like a mile and a half that I just drive to out of convenience that I'll just walk there and back. So maybe that's during lunch, walk and get lunch, go to a park, then walk home or walk back to, you know, someone could do this from work. The same thing with a grocery run or an errand close by. And you very quickly get walks in like one, two and three mile chunks. And all of a sudden you're being like up and about and active instead of sitting in a car um, and just kind of, you know, adding to the total amount of, you know, Unactivity in the day. 
Yeah, I think walking is one of the like most underused tools in the fitness world because walking mm-hmm. just kind of, I mean, it's just, it's the last thing people think of as an exercise, but it should be one of the first because it's not only maybe one of the healthiest things to do. I mean, it is one of the healthiest, but it is very stressless and it, it doesn't increase your cortisol and it's great for the mind. It's kind of like meditating. Like I... I live on this gorgeous lake in Colorado and I like on the lake I have a view of the mountains like for all across the sky and it's absolutely gorgeous. It's like a 3.6 mile walk which is for you is probably nothing. For me it's like oh my god that's so long. <laughs> that's, that sounds perfect. It really does. Oh my god. It is, per- it is perfect and like there are geese on this lake and like people with their babies and dogs and I mean, it's, it, there's like, I mean, the weird thing is there's absolutely no water fountains, which kind of bothers me because it's like, <laughs> <laughs> sure. it bothers me because I, I get so thirsty, but because sometimes I do go for a run. I'm like, oh, I feel like running this and then I'll start walking again. But point is, I think that incorporating walking and walking from place to place more throughout your day will be so good for your body and your mind. Yep. And by the way, I heard they make these things like they're called bottles and they hold water. <laughs> no, I'm totally messing with you. I can't carry I'm the, anything. I do not want to carry things. I want to feel free, Justin. I have to feel free. I'm, no, it, in all seriousness, I'm the same exact way. I don't even want to carry a 12 ounce water bottle because it's just more fun to kind of pump your arms. And going back, I can't believe I said unactivity instead of inactivity. So we're going to <laughs> asterisk that. Uh, but yeah, no, walking is the most underutilized thing. It, for me, it's like 80% of my activity. It's just it's just what you said, Madeline. Like you're connecting with nature. You're up and about. It, it can be time to listen to music. It can be time to bond with a friend, a family member, or just be with your own thoughts. You know, for me, like an hour walk clears my mind more than almost anything. And I think it really is, at least for me, better than meditation because I'm also doing something so my mind isn't going to wander as easily. Yeah. So what about your workouts then? You know, like, and you said that you lift, how how many times a week do you lift? Bicep curls, bro. (laughs) (laughs) So, right. So it's uh, once or twice a week. And you know, going back to what we were talking about, the whole like mindset and battle mode, it, it used to be going to the gym was not fun. It was like, you know, a set amount of time or calories burned or do some crazy CrossFit style workout. And I don't think I was ever looking forward to it. So it's really flexible now. You know, there there are weeks where I don't ever step inside a gym. Um, and luckily, there's like a super cheap $10 a month gym nearby so it's not a big deal I'm not like missing out on anything so but some weeks I'll go twice and I try to work out with a friend or just kind of do some relaxed functional lifts like do deadlift take a break talk with someone in the gym you know it's it's a very different experience when you just kind of go in you do some basic lifts some basic resistance training and actually have fun and then leave the gym you know, like almost refreshed instead of dead and and having to hit, you know, a quantified target as far as time or a workout of the day. It's it's a big difference. And it, it's so nice because then you look forward to going back the next time you want to. Yeah, I, can, I honestly can't even imagine 
doing that. And that's probably why that's one of the main things I should be doing in my life is stop scheduling like four lifting sessions a week and just going going in when I feel like going in and leaving feeling refreshed because working out once upon a time started for me as an enjoyable, exciting, you know, new thing. My body was changing on the regular. And then, you know, two years later, it's like, all right, you know, this is habit. I got to go. I got to like kill myself. And then I got to leave exhausted. And then I got to eat my post-workout meal. And then I go to bed. And it's like that over and over and over again. And it's kind of, while that is something great, it's just not exactly what my body needs right now. It definitely needs to be more in touch with nature. And it's one of those things that I know is going on. I know in my body. I, I know what it's telling me. It's pretty awesome to be intuitive and to know what your body is trying to tell you, which is something I've kind of lost the capability of to do for a while. But I'm finally more in touch with my body, and I, I can tell when it wants to go for a walk. And I can tell when it wants to sit on the couch and, you know, watch a movie. And recently it's been saying I don't want to go to the gym <laughs> and it's not like a it's not like a lazy thing it's not exactly that I'm like not feeling like working out it's more just like I have other priorities now and my priority isn't to do four sets of 20 bicep curls you know and then 20 minutes of sprints and then five sets of deadlifts on top of four sets of lat pull downs and I'm just making this up, but right. You know, it's you, like I have this very routinely put together workout program when life is not meant to be completely routined. Like we are animals and we are creatures and we are the, I mean, we're the only species that's like, okay, it's five o'clock. It's gym time. Got to get my BCAAs <laughs> and then I got to get my post-workout meal and my almond milk and got to spend an hour and a half there. And when your body doesn't want to do that, it shouldn't have to do that. Yes. Um, and that's really smart that you've learned that because uh, definitely being out in nature, I mean, they found that just people looking at a picture of nature lowers their blood pressure. And it's kind of sad that, you know, for some people that's about all they get or a little courtyard in, you know, their uh, office complex. But uh, the good news for people is you don't have to do a ton of weightlifting. You know, there's the the minimum effective dose. If you just do one set of some major things like, uh, you know, deadlifts, bent over rows, you know, just look up a basic weightlifting uh, program. You only need a little bit every so often. Uh, And basically do whatever fills you up and kind of makes your heart sing. If that's going for a walk, do that. If it is going for the gym but in a more relaxed environment, do that because your activity, it's like anything else. If you end on a low note, if you end feeling exhausted, you know, it would almost be like for anyone who's ever gone out, you know, and had way too much to drink, like you don't want to do that again. If anyone has eaten something and it's given them allergic reaction, you don't want to come back to that. So eventually working out is going to be the same way. If you always end it or even during it are kind of feeling miserable, eventually you're going to kind of stop it. And and the same thing goes with diet. If it's so restrictive that you're never having fun, you'll eventually break. And I think that's the problem is, uh, you know, people aren't doing sustainable activities and and diets and things that fill them up 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. So when for the, for the people who do end up doing like one workout a week, do you think that they can have the goal of aesthetics? I think I said that funny. Aesthetics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I do. Uh, you know, I or you know, two 15 minute sessions a week. And for me, I often go in and I will essentially, like I said, do deadlift, I'll do power cleans, I'll probably do some sort of you know, squat with press, but just incorporate, you know, or kettlebell swings, like try to get your butt incorporated, your lower back, you know, do some upper body stuff. If there's, if you have one favorite, you know, exercise like front raise or bicep curls, do that. But yeah, the, I've found, you know, that basically through about 30 minutes of gym time a week, I don't look all that far off from when I was going literally in a gym for 15 plus hours a week and it some of that is just that the the adaptation and your results happen when you rest and so often that is not part of any workout routine or life routine mm-hmm. so are you still are you still personal training people yes and i do that all online so you're talking about the oh. kind of re- re- relaxed environment um so a couple years ago i decided that a, I didn't want to keep working in a, a gym and, and have the crazy like 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. and then 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. schedule. But I also decided I wanted to travel. Uh, and luckily, I had clients who were cool enough to say that they would want to continue training with like programs I would send them. Sometimes it would be Skype calls and, and go over nutritional needs and stuff like that. So that's what I've still been doing and I find some new clients through the website and and podcast and really for me I've realized that you don't need a ton of money and in fact if you have a nice balance and and live a simple life you can work just enough and then also spend enough time in nature and relaxing and have a really good life because a lot of you know a lot of pleasure in life is stuff that's free whether that's going for a walk whether that's just sitting with friends or something low cost like just grab some food go to a park with friends go bowling stuff like that Mm -hmm. so um, yeah, so I still do the personal training uh, along with world exploring and, and, and all that. Can we talk just a little bit about travel hacking? Like, I'm just, I, it, it awes me. You and Todd Dawsonberry, for those of you who don't know, just yep. travel. And it's kind of one of those things where, I mean, I'm like, I just can't even, for some reason, picking up and moving is really easy for me. Like, I can move right. cities or states. Like, I can, I, I just moved from Texas to Colorado, no problem. Like, within two days, I was like, eh, I feel like moving. And it's like, okay. But actually traveling, that takes, I mean, I don't know why, but for me, that's like kind of stresses me out because it's like there's something I'm leaving behind that I need to make sure is taken care of. And there's somewhere I'm going that I need to be taking care of myself. And it's like a lot of responsibilities and like that kind of stuff is what keeps me from traveling when I really feel like I I need to be traveling. Like I have not seen any of the world and there's so many places, there's so many possibilities and like life is like for living and for traveling and this whole idea and concept of travel hacking gets me super pumped and I don't even know where to start besides something <laughs> about credit cards. 
Right. Yeah. And it should get everyone pumped. And no, no one has to take it to the extreme of traveling all the time. And whenever someone says, you know, they're jealous of a certain like nonstop travel lifestyle, I would say before you jump into it, like test it out. Like, first of all, it's kind of tough with a dog or kids or a right. mortgage. But if anyone's thinking about it, like do this. The next time you have two weeks off from work, like just do a road trip, like and see if you like the flexibility of going a new place all the time. Because maybe for some people, it's it's not that. And they like more like being somewhere for 51 weeks and then and vacationing for a week. But I know for me, I the moment I started selling my stuff and like I I got out of my lease and sold my car like I just felt lighter as every physical item went as I downsized and sold clothes like I just felt lighter and it was kind of awesome to have it got down rid of to all a, of your food and just had coconut oil. <laughs> I felt, did. You felt really light I, then, didn't you? We, yeah, when I so when I travel, it's actually half my backpack coconut oil, the rest peanuts. Oh. Um, so, but once I got down to that flexibility, I realized I could go anywhere tomorrow. Like you were saying with Colorado, and it's a really liberating feeling. Um, but what I would say is a really simple way anyone can start is take advantage of the super free offers out there. So two good ones: uh, Chase has a United Airlines card and City. Citibank has an American Airlines card. And if you sign up for them, it's just Google them, you'll get enough miles. 50,000 through United. Some, sometimes it's 30,000 depending on where you are. And then the same deal through American. That's actually enough to go anywhere in the world and back. It's also enough to go anywhere in the US and Canada and back twice. So, and you actually you don't pay an annual fee the first year. You just have to spend a thousand a month, with, which I think most people listening would anyways on things. So the these free offers are out there. And when I realized that, and I, I realized like some of these, you know, you can sign up for different cards or you can take advantage of cheap apartments in other countries. I realized that travel does not cost a lot, and it usually comes out to like eight hundred to a thousand a month with no flight costs when you sign up for these. So you, okay, so you get the 50,000 miles immediately right. when you, when you get the card. So for, I mean, for the United one, so we'll, we'll go with that one because they have, they fly anywhere in the world. Uh, so you, you go to chase.com, you know, or you just Google chase United airlines card and it's going to show you that offer. You click through, you sign up, and if you spend a thousand in the first three months, they credit, they, you know, they give you that in either the account you already have with United Airlines or they open one up and give you that. So you then have the miles and then just go crazy. Like you can, you know, just start browsing and be like, do I want to go to Bangkok? Do I want to go? Like I just Whoa. flew to Buenos Aires and back for free with the American Airlines one. Oh my gosh. Um, I want to go to Thailand. That's my destination. It's pretty awesome. You've yep. been? Duh. Duh, you've been. <laughs> well, part of that whole thing, and the cool thing is once you get to Southeast Asia, the flight, it's such a small area of the world that flights within or even international flights there are like $59. Um, so, yeah, like the, the whole Thailand, Malaysia, Laos, Cambodia circuit like did that. But once you, once you get over there, which thankfully this free offer will get you there, you can then bounce around and someone could use their 
three-week vacation from work to see a completely part of the wor- uh, different part of the world and see you know five different countries before coming back. And in the meantime, not only have you seen amazing beaches and amazing new cultures, but you've probably learned a crap load in the process. I know at least that was the case for me. Right. What is there a uh, expiration date? Like if you don't take it within the first year or use them within the first year, they're gone. Often the way mileage programs work is if you keep the card open, then the miles never expire. Uh, usually if you close them, uh, it they expire within 12 to 18 months. But I think for most people, you know, that's that's long enough to plan their, their flight. But uh, yeah, the, the tip with those is often they waive the fee for the first year and then charge an $89 fee the second year. So it's good to open it and then close it within 12 months after you've, and once you've gotten your ticket, you can close the card and it's it's no problem. That's crazy. How did you learn all of that? <laughs> uh, wow, how did I learn that? Well, I I think, so my mom's half of the family, not to go with stereotypes, but they're, you know, they, they came over from Poland. It's the a very strong, like, Jewish influence. And I tell you, from my grandfather to my mom and then to me, like, finding deals was just <laughs> part of the family. And I, like, there was just an age where I realized, like, I would go to the grocery store and, like, compare two different things and be like, oh, that one's, like, cheaper per item. Oh, and I then still when do it, that. Yeah, and I my yeah, it's just it's kind of fun to find deals and and that's the neat thing. I, I put a travel hacking post up on uh, my website, and so it actually goes step by step. You know what I go through, um, and gives people that. And, but if you like finding deals and you like sort of browsing through travel specials, it's really fun, and that's kind of how I I I found this, and I tried to pass along like the two or three really easy ones and biggest impact ones to, to everyone reading. If you could if you could recommend three places to people, like the top three places that they were to get this card and get these miles, where would you say? Oh man. So the one you mentioned, Thailand, is a really good one because Tha- <laughs> like Thailand is the only place I've ever been to where you can stand on a street corner and uh, like on your left will be a Buddhist temple on your right will be a Hindu temple across the way will be a market with the cheapest like you name it like Ralph Lauren Gucci everything like five dollar shirts and shoes and handbags for for anyone who likes that and then you know off to the right will be some crazy like party district and you're 10 miles from a beach so Thailand has everything you know no matter what you're looking for um I, I loved Malaysia personally, but if you're go- if you, I would say if you have one Asian country, go to Thailand. Um, I just came from Buenos Aires, where it's just it's wonderful, and you have people from all over the world. Um, great food. All they care about is just fun and friends and family and dancing. Which for anyone you know like ourselves who maybe has been a little bit used to controlling things and maybe hasn't dove full force into loving those things it's it's a great experience so there is just like loving food and loving life so if i had to lock on two it would be thailand uh and buenos aires that is awesome do you have yeah. any do you have any future plans of places or anything like that uh, yeah so uh whenever i come back to dc which is where i was born and raised you know it's great to see friends it's great to see family i love it i just wish 
it never got cold. I, I've become, it, I, man, bless you for moving to Colorado because <laughs> I'd be too much of a wussy to go there. So when it hits like December here and the days are super short and it's cold, I, I sort of just like, I will take the miles. And the cool thing is you only need three weeks notice. Um, you know, within that window, I think you start paying like a $50 fee, which is still really cheap to go to Asia or South America. But if you plan three weeks ahead, even usually the fee for a ticket is only five to $10. So you're flying to Argentina or Europe or Asia for $5, which is amazing. Uh, so I probably, when it starts getting really cold here, I'll just play it by ear and then pick a new place. Um, and it may be back in South America. I started to get a little okay at Spanish. So maybe Chile, maybe Peru, Chile. maybe Ecuador. Have you been there? No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you got so excited. I was like, oh, maybe Madeline just came from there. No, uh, I've only been to Canada. <laughs> But Canada is beautiful, by the way. I don't um, remember it, though. I, I was so young. I don't remember. Oh, you should totally go back. There should be like a summer cross-country trip for you. I know. That'd be so fun. Um, but no, I was just going to say when it gets coldier, like I'll, I'll head somewhere probably again in South America, um, or maybe Central America. But uh, as of now, definitely will travel, just don't know where. Cool. That sounds like a plan. Well, we are <laughs> we are coming up to our hour here. Can you tell people where they can find you online and contact you? Yeah, definitely. So the easiest thing is to just go to cavemanning.com. Uh, I was super happy, by the way, when I found out that was still available because my last name's Manning and it goes with the whole caveman thing. Unfortunately, right after I got it and started promoting it, my mom emails me and she's like, um, honey, do you know that there's something else that comes up when you look up cavemanning? And apparently there's some urban dictionary term, which I still have not clicked through. So I don't know what it means. But so don't Google cavemanning. Just go to <laughs> cavemanning. And then from there, you can find me, get in touch with me, uh, find the podcast and all that. Hey, you're not related to Paige Manning, are you? No. I have no siblings. Maybe that's why I'm so, like, <laughs> independent and weirdly so. But, yeah, no no relation. Well, no, she would be your sibling. She's, like, I don't, I don't know. She's, like, maybe 90. <laughs> oh, maybe. I'll have to go to, like, Ancestry.com. Maybe, maybe she is. Yeah, because I'm, I have Mannings in my family. Really? Yeah, I, I, my, um... My grandma's mom, my grandma's mom is, she, I could be totally wrong about this. <laughs> my grandma's something is she high Manning and really the, and then she high Manning's sister's daughter is a, is obviously another Manning and, and somewhere down the line is Peyton Manning. So they say. Interesting. You know, I I would not be surprised if somewhere like seven generations back that was the case, but who knows? Wouldn't that be weird? Like maybe we're actually related. I, it would be super weird. And as I, as I traveled more, I started to kind of just get the sense that you're meant to be certain places or meet certain people at a certain time. So who knows? That could have been the case. I totally agree. And being online at certain times so you can send people friend requests like we did. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, really, two quick things I want to say. Uh, we never got into food combining, but I would say if people Google food combining chart, the first one that pops up as an image, um, for me, that was huge because I realized that you know, we've been talking a lot about restriction and this and that. I realized I could eat virtually all the foods I want. It was just the timing and combination and order that really mattered. So that's one thing. And then the the second thing to just leave people is I would say do one thing or be around one person that fills you up every day because life is way too short not to do that. Aw, those are awesome tips. Yeah. Well, can you, can you okay, I don't want to cut us off then. Can you, can, you, can you talk a little more about food combining then? I mean, like, yes. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. So everyone, sorry, we're going longer than an hour. Go for it. Yeah, deal with it, people. Um, no, so um, I, I started to think I was like getting indigestion from more and more foods. Like I would eat a banana and feel super bloated. I would have tomatoes and feel bloated. And I was just like, okay, well, as much as I love those, I guess I can't eat them anymore. And then I stumbled upon food combining. And basically, the, the concept is, you know, certain foods require certain enzymes or a certain environment, either acidic or alkaline, going back to like high school chemistry. So for instance, proteins require acid, specifically hydrochloric acid, then carbohydrates require the opposite, an alkaline or, or basic environment. And you can tell I've like geeked out on this. So you, it's, it's obvious even outside of the science just that if you can't have both of these at once. So unfortunately, the typical American meal will have like some form of like protein and then some form of starch. And basically what happens is the, the starchy carbohydrate will ferment in the stomach and that's what causes bloating and indigestion and then the fermentation actually prevents the digestion fully of the protein so you have more problems more indigestion so that was a big one um, and one thing is that if you're going to eat starchy foods which that in, that's potatoes that's fruit especially any really sweet fruit have that 30 minutes before uh, the rest of your meal um, and especially in the case of fruits um, Basically, it, it prepares the digestive tract, and this is just all this wowed me. So, the water from the fruit hydrates the tract, fibers cleanse it, enzymes activate chemical digestion. So, if you're going to have fruit, have it 30 to 60 minutes before your meal. Uh, and then, another thing that was really interesting is that each type of protein, so fish to chicken, fish to beef, stuff like that. They all require a specific strength and, and timing of digestive juices. So, uh, you know, unfortunately for people who, you know, love like, you know, the surf and turf or, or having a bunch at once, realize that you want to space proteins, different proteins a couple hours apart. But and another one, acidic fruits and sweet fruits, again, different. They need different environments. So um, the, the easiest thing is to say, like, Go Google food combining chart. The first one has five simple columns and is basically like eat this column alone. You can have this column with everything else, but definitely don't have these two together. And, and once you see it, especially for me visually, it's like, oh, this makes sense. And I'm happy to report that like I have been bloat free, like toot free, indigestion free, <laughs> aside from when I do something really stupid, like have half a cup of coconut oil. Yeah. Or ice cream, which is totally yes. happening. 
Yeah, the story tomorrow, if we did this podcast tomorrow, I'd be like, why did I have a pint of Ben and Jerry's? <laughs> um, okay, so let me ask you this, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read up on this, but just to see if you already might know the answer. Sure. I, the reason why eating mostly fat during the day and then eating carbohydrates at night was because it did make me bloat-free, and that really like confused me because... I'd eat the same meal at night and be totally fine and uh, just very comfortable. Like, for example, I have this, like, super easy two-ingredient pancake recipe I make. All it is is eggs and oats. I mean, it's really simple. Sometimes I'll cook it in coconut oil. Um, but I'll make that at nighttime and be totally fine, be feeling great. But when I make that in the morning, I'm, like, just – I'm not toot-free. I'll just say that. Right. And I don't know, like, why. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the timing of it, uh, you know, and your your body is in a different state um, and your digestive system is. So for you, it may be more prepared to take that meal at night after you've had anything. And it's interesting, you know, the reason I think a lot of people do well with the just fats and proteins in the day is that, uh, especially with fats, a lot of them are neutral. So uh, if people go to that chart, uh, you know, butter and oils, those are neutrals. Like you can have them with anything else, like almond milk you can have with anything else, raw leafy greens with anything else. But then when you start to get into uh, starchy, uh, you know, foods, uh, you know, the grains, the bread, potatoes, squashes, when you get into sweet fruits, stuff like that, that's when you tend to get into problems. And I think the, the best advice I can give is test out, you know, start with a template, test out different timing of foods, separate a, a food you love from everything else, and you may find that you can have that as long as you space it 30 to 60 minutes away from everything else. That is incredible. I'm going to have to try that. I'm really excited. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, no problem. And and I'm so passionate about that because indigestion is one of those things like it doesn't get talked about a whole lot, but if you eat food and it makes you feel bad or you're all bloated, like you tend to then not want to go out for a walk, you tend not mm -hmm. to want to do anything, and you certainly don't want to go out with friends when you think, "Oh, this meal is going to make me feel bad." But when you just Think about like what foods go together, and, and there's a there's a reason that a lot of traditional like if you think of the traditional Mediterranean, uh, you know, meal, it might be one protein, like something like salmon. It might be one oil and some leafy greens. You know, there's a reason that foods and meals have made their way to, to a certain way. Uh, and a lot of times, if you break away from that American mindset, and I've been there, where it's just like. I need everything now. Like <laughs> your your body has a lot easier time digesting. And especially in Texas cuz I grew up saying I got to have it bigger and I need mm -hmm. it now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And and I love me some some barbecue and and everything else. Um Heck it's yeah. just just uh it's good to know the effect food has on your body and that's that's uh, I, hopefully what people take away like find out what works for you and be in tune with that and if you decide to break away from it like that's good you know like how you feel and what you want and you know the effect it's going to have but it's good to be in touch with that for for your individual self no it's it's so true and it can make your entire life change honestly <laughs> it can because I mean, when I when I started eating with a carb backloading way, I, I um I was doing more, 
this is just really weird, but I was doing more. I was saying yes to a lot of things. I was more decisive. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy how in tune you can be with your mind and your body. It's insane because like when I felt like I looked good and, you know, I, I thought that I looked good when I was not bloated. That's just those two are just completely related. If I, if I didn't feel bloated, I thought I looked good. When I thought I looked good, I wanted to go out and I wanted to go on walks and I wanted to be free and I wanted to meditate and then I wanted to, you know, weightlift tomorrow, but maybe not today. You know, I was just what much more like open to new things, to changes, to going to see a movie spontaneously, to, you know, choosing my dog over a workout because I just want to spend more time with her. And then I most recently, just being all transparent about this, I decided to go do like the, you know, eat every three hours thing, like prepare in Tupperware and eat more of my own meals from home instead of like eating out with friends and everything just like caved in. Like I Mm. became more isolated and I didn't want to say yes to things and I didn't feel good. My bloat came back completely. And it was mostly because I was, I was, I don't know all what it was. Some of it could have been stress. It could have been like, you know, I, I was putting myself through this unnecessary stress of preparing my meals and eating this way for aesthetic reasons. And when it's, when I totally don't need to eat that way for aesthetic reasons, but in my mind, I was like, this is what worked for me in the past, so I'll try this again. And and then just, like, it, my mind was consumed with it. And I went from being, like, very free-feeling to feeling very isolated and unsure and kind of out of control, even though I was trying to fight for control and just unnecessary stress, like, to the max. And that is if, – if I, don't, I don't know what would be a sign of what works for me if that's not it because I know that does not work for me and I know the other option definitely works for me because the complete different – like completely different lifestyles, completely different mindsets. That's how in touch your body is with your mind and what you eat and how you think and how you feel. Yeah. And, well, first of all, thank you for sharing because I know sometimes uh, – Anyone can like to put out there like, I was like this. Now it's all perfect. Follow this plan. And, you know, we all make mistakes. And I like while I feel like I've locked up the the digestion side of things and that's nice, like we're all susceptible to slipping back into over controlling food. And I think, again, it just everyone listening, it, you know, I think by nature of seeking out this information you're saying that you're probably an introspective person, an intelligent person. So people listening like, you know where the line is and if the way you're eating is either making you feel bad and sluggish and depressed because it you know you've put on weight or or the food is is sort of poisoning you that way well that's not good but if you've gone on the flip side and someone is seven percent body fat and, and not enjoying any of their life they know that too and there's a happy point in the middle where you're rewarding yourself but also putting the things in your body that make you feel good and I, I really do think that's where it start starts you got back to that like if if you're putting the right foods in your, your body and taking out the few that probably you know you're sensitive to or just you know don't make you feel good you suddenly want to do more and your life is so much fuller like mentally physically you know your relationships everything follows uh, if you can kind of like put the right things in mm-hmm. yeah I I completely 100% agree. If I've learned anything through paleo, um, through this, this, just this year, I've learned that and that you really need to eat in a way that fulfills you 
And it's mm -hmm. not just about food. You need to live in a way that fulfills you. I mean, obviously food is kind of a center focus because in our culture today, it does control a lot of things. And we have a really strange relationship with food. Just, I mean, not everyone, but mm. a lot of people do. And I mean, I do, and I'm very open about, you know, I have relapses and I, I go back to I bounce around between diets, think like scrambling for, for a food rule. But the, right. the, the point is to, to, if you're going to cut out something, do what, do what Justin does, <laughs> like cut <laughs> out something that is going to benefit your digestion, benefit your energy and make you feel like the best you possible and make you feel like you, you should go out and hang out with friends. If you're eating in a way that makes you feel like you should not hang out with friends, then you're doing it wrong because that's not, that's not the way to live life. And you want to be as happy and as free and have as many relationships as possible in this one life that we get to live. Yes, I agree. And really, uh, it's, it's so hard to like lock onto one thing, like s clearly sleep and food are very important, but your, your relationships and the, the energy you drive from that, that just makes the world go around. So yeah, I mean, it just comes back to what I probably said like 10 minutes ago is just do the things that fill you up. You know, clearly we all have responsibilities. Sometimes we have, you know, uh, you know, our own little hookups and, and aesthetic goals we want. But in general, try to do the things that make you feel better. And that's, you know, whether that's food or relaxing or just your best friend, like be around the, the energy and the things that, that make you feel better. Because, man, no, no one, you made this great point on my show that no one's going to look back in in 70 years when life's winding down and say you know i wish i'd had way less fun i wish i'd you know been you know controlled this or or added on stress like no you're gonna look back fondly on the the, the things you did the basic things that that made you happy mm -hmm. yeah i think that that sums it all up and that's that's a great place to leave it off at even though i i could definitely talk about this forever so thank you, Cave Manning, so much for joining me on the Mind Body Musings podcast. You are definitely just one of those people that, and well, even though I've only known you for a few months, I just really look forward to talking with you. You make me laugh. You're just an awesome person. So everyone go check out his podcast, his website, and just thank you so much for sharing your insight with us today. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, the, the same back to you. I, I love your energy, and it's it's very easy for us to flow and talk about whatever. And you had better be at Paleo FX in Denver. Duh, I will so be there. <laughs> so be there. Sweet. All right, we'll talk to you next time, Justin. All right, see you, Madeline. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm Maddie Moon, and you've been listening to the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to rate and review it in the iTunes store, as well as subscribe. Also, please remember I'm glad to continue the conversation on my website, moonfitness.net, where you can also sign up for my free e-course, Mind Body Satisfaction Sacrifice Free. I created this e-course to help everyone that struggles with body image, dieting, overtraining, and negative self-esteem to learn how to not only accept who you are, but love who you are. This is coming from an ex-fitness model and bikini competitor, so trust me, I know what it's like to have those struggles and to want to be free of them. So please, if any of that sounds good, head on over to moonfitness.net and sign up. Thanks for listening.